Blog Talk Radio.
Listen, have you been right at the point of ready? Perfect shoes, perfect dress, perfect hair, perfect makeup, and you look a fool. Well, we're going to stop all that right now. Kevin Foster is the person for you. Aside from him being able to travel to you, being known for his white tape series, he offers a unique experience that's very, very inexpensive. It'll be worth the money that you spend. Prices start at $125. If you would like an appointment with Kevin, call 770-407-9025 to set an appointment. Tell him that the Emperor sent you. It's Instagram, Facebook, or on KFOS Photography. Tell him the Emperor sent you. The Empire is a place where I talk, you talk, but everybody gets to talk. It's where you can speak openly, honestly, and without worry or hesitation about being politically correct. It's your forum to discuss what matters to you and to me. Individual expressions are boring and they can create nothing but a monologue. Who wants to know all about just me? I want to know about you. So if you want to tell it like it is, the empire is where it's going to go down. Check Facebook or my website for show times and days as those days and times may change. For more information, contact me at EmpressCooperDavidson at gmail.com or by my website at www.TheEmpress.com. For when the empire speaks, the empress Listen, listen, people, it is October the 13th, 2015. Our special guest tonight is D. Gray, just making sure you can hear me and I can hear you. Are you there, D? Yes. Great, great. So glad to have you on the show tonight. Besides tonight being, I'm like, I'm really excited about D being on the show tonight. Did you all know that today was the National No Bra Day? Like, titties was supposed to be swinging today. Nobody did it. Nobody wanted to post it. We have so many crazy holidays that people just skipped over this one. And I started to do a photo shoot, had a bunch of beautiful ladies to do it with me. wasn't going to be vulgar. wasn't going to be out of bad. It was not going to be bad taste. It was going to be actually a professional photographer. And I ended up having a long conversation with a photographer about tonight's show. Now, this particular photographer is Antonio Boswell. He's here in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, also a disc jockey and radio personality on 101.1 on the Joe Lockett Show. And he, they air from 4 to 7 on Saturday. They talk about everything. And I had to run a few things by him just to see what he thought about it. And I'm interested to know what D has to say about a lot of things. If you don't know D, go to Facebook, look him up. That's D-E-E. Gray, G-R-E-Y, and if you're not ready to hear the truth, don't add. Do not do it because you're going to be, I think, very, very shocked at how truthful and open and honest that this guy is. Like, it's refreshing to see uh, your videos and, and just to see your posts, even if they're just like one line of these. Sometimes when they're the video, I get a, a, a better and a fuller understanding of, like, where you're coming from. And when I thought about this show, I said, listen, I'm going to reach out and see if he wants to do it because I think this is just perfect um, uh, topic for for you. And, and that's just my opinion. I can't speak for who you are, what your platforms are. If you would introduce yourself to our listening audience here on the Empire, I'd appreciate it. D. Gray? I'm D. Gray on Facebook. In real life, I'm Dorian Porter. Uh, and I just speak my mind. You know, I don't, I'm not a black man that claims to have a position or be anybody's leader, but if you ask me, I'm going to tell you how I feel and 
Some people will be shocked. Some people may laugh. Some people may get angry, but I'm just me. I feel like, you know, in the world we are in today, the very least you can do is tell the truth. So that's my truth. Well, I appreciate you coming on to the show. I did not know that D-Ray was not your name. And speaking of names, that's our little pre-show topic was about the conversations that are are just trending on every social media, whether it's Twitter, uh, Instagram, on Facebook a lot today. But I knew this was going to happen after I saw the mini clip. Now, I used to be a fan of the view, the old view, the view where they had mature trains of thought not just this Crayola box of people just for the fact of having, quote-unquote, diversity. But Raven Simone is again in the news with saying some outlandish things with regard to names in particular. Now, there's a personality that's on social media by the name of Watermelandria, who is actually a personality. Again, he's a comedian by his real name, Trey Melvin. That name came up in the conversation, and she had this to say. She said that she would not or she would refuse to hire anybody with a ghetto name. Now, first of all, Dee, I mean, I don't even hardly know how to even wrap my head around um, anyone of any stature or anybody that's just on public television saying such a thing, even if that's their truth. Do you think that it was the right thing to say and – did you did you get anything other than pissed off like I did by it? Raven Simone doesn't piss me off because Raven Simone is not black. And when I say okay. black, I mean black. You know, she has black parents, and she's a melanated sister. But at the end of the day, and I mean, this is the only reason I'm not mad at Raven. She's been rich since she was five. She's never spent a day of her, you know, consciousness of what she was learning and knew what was going around her as a black woman. You know what I mean? And, and then I'm saying this so that I can remain respectful to Raven, <laughs> you know. But okay. she, she has no idea what it's like to be a black woman. None at all. Okay. And if you look at pictures of her, she emulates black women with her style, with her swagger, with her attitude, how she talks. Uh-huh. But she doesn't know the consequences that all other black women know of saying the wrong thing in our community. You know, so mm-hmm. Raven Simone's never been in a situation with another sister where a sister told her, watch your mouth. Now, most people growing up have been in a situation where another black woman has told them, sister, watch your mouth. But nobody's ever told Raven to watch her mouth. And that's why she always says ignorant things that she says. Okay, so that brings another point of what she's actually had to say in the public about what she actually is. And when I say what, I know that she's human. I'm not saying that she's subhuman, even though she says to me just some dumb things, and dumb by meaning she has no idea what she's saying and the gravity of how she's saying what she's saying will have on a community. Now, she is, I had to look up and see how old this chick was because I still really don't know. She was born in 1985, 85 or 89. I had it written on another piece of paper. Born in 1980s, uh, born to a biracial couple. Her father, who is African-American, is her manager. And shortly after that air airing of her saying this, and this is a trail of things that this chick has had to say, 
about particularly melanated black African American, anything that has to do with the community that she most closely would be affiliated with, she's had to say. Now, she said, even with Oprah, I think over a year ago, that she was not uh, African American, um, uh, she was just an American. And when you just said that she is not black and doesn't understand the black Ness of what that means to be a a black or African American or a melanated person in the United States is are you just speaking purely by her experience or do you think that that's something that's learned because she's learned she's learned the style and that's something you have to be exposed to but I I don't really know a lot of black females melanated females or anything else in my community that walk around with hair like her like that to me is just that's that eclectic stuff to me. Do you think that she's like, uh, where does she fit then if she's not black and if if she's not got the experience to be a spokesperson for African-American women? She is a black woman, you know, by birth, but she is really a black woman knocking on white people's door asking for acceptance and doing doing as much as she can to separate herself from us. And now look at it like this. Raven Simone is not the only person to do this. You have sisters all over Facebook who may be of a lighter skin tone that will try and say, well, I'm from Cuba and I'm French and my mother's from Canada. They want to say they everything but black. You know what I mean? So she's not the only one guilty of this, and, but she's doing it in a public form. You know, she does not want to identify with us, and that's not a problem for a brother like me. You know, I truly believe there needs to be, and this allows to what, Farrakhan was saying there needs to be a separation not only between black people and white people, but also between black people and Negroes. There needs to be several separations that take place because we know who the black people are, the hardworking people who honor each other as brothers and sisters who respect one another. You don't step on my toes, I won't step on yours. But then there are people who don't care that you're black. They'll rob you. They'll pimp your young daughters. They'll sell dope to your brothers. You know what I mean? They'll work with white people to destroy you. Those are the Negroes. And we need to separate ourselves from both, you know what I mean, and build on our own. And if Raven chooses to be someone who wants to cross over, let her. We need to let them people go. Don't try to hold them accountable for their blackness. Let them go where they want to go. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because we don't need them. We don't want them to speak for us. We don't want them to speak on our behalf. Go over there with them. Okay. Now, when, when I heard her say that, as a black woman, as a melanated woman, I do identify with being both black and African-American. I mean, none of those titles are the summation of me, but it's an identifier of who I am in this world, in this society. So, you know, it don't matter. I don't care what y'all call me. I know what I am, and I know where I come from. And I've learned a lot of my history. But my name, like I was speaking to Antonio earlier, and he was like, your name is the Empress. And I'm like, the Empress is a name that I assumed for the personality of show. I have blog talk radio show. I've been on live radio. I have aspirations to do things that are separate and a small piece of who I am. So do you have, because even you just said that your true name, your the name that your mom and your father gave you is different from even the name that you're associated by on your on your blog, on, on your on your on your page. Do you think that it's okay though to uh, identify a certain expectation simply based on name, because that's what she said. Now, she came back 
uh, I think it was today. I, I can't, no, October the 11th. Now, she said something prior to October the 11th, but she came back on October the 11th saying that I'd like to begin by sharing I was not attacking a specific race, but repeating a name that was said in a viral video that had been re- that had received over 2 million likes, addressing her followers, which are numbered at 4.8 million people. She said that it was in poor taste. My lack of empathy towards name discrimination was uncalled for, and as an equal opportunity employer, I have never discriminated against the name, even though I said I would. It's not true. So in other words, to me, she either is a liar, an admitted liar, or an admitted discriminator. What do you, what do you take from that? What do you take from her coming back now and saying that was inappropriate? Do you think it was inappropriate? And, and do you believe her recantation of what she said? I'm, I'm willing to do this for Raven Simone. This is how pro-black I am. Now, what we, we, I'm going to flip it a little bit. I'm going to put the okay. if she was white on it, if she was white, right? Now, if she was okay. white, white people would find out, they would figure out a way to stand up for, for Raven Simone. They would look out for their own, right? Mm-hmm. So even though this is the, is the test, what I'm going to say is I wouldn't hire nobody with watermelon in the beginning of their name either. <laughs> if your name begins with watermelon, I'm not hiring you, and I'm willing to tell you. <laughs> you know, because that's the reason. But, D, I need there's a, a job. Job. There's a difference. There's a difference. But the name, is, the name isn't even real. The name isn't even real. There's nobody that I know named Watermel <laughs> or Watermelon. But, you know, I think that Ray, this, is, this, go, this goes back to her not really being a sister. She don't even know how to make a good joke because she come off as so white that anything she say, you know what I mean, we look at her in a whole other light because of the comments she made in the past. You're not one of us. So when you make any kind of statement, we're going to over-scrutinize it. You know what I mean? And I really think that she called herself being funny and really doesn't even know how. She can't communicate with her people. You know, and at this point, she probably never will be able to. I don't think she will either. I think it's something that you really can't come back from. I don't think she's going to ever hurt behind it because she doesn't necessarily identify. It's like those people. That's almost the way that she said it. She didn't say those words, and I don't want to misquote her, but I do want to open up a couple of lines that are here for them to weigh in on this before we get into our main topic, which is the justice or else. I identify you by the last four digits of your phone number. Last four digits of the phone number that you're calling in on is how I let you know that I can hear you. 7896, are you there? Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm here. I hear you. I hear you, Jay. I came in a little bit late. I heard you guys uh, talking about waving some more and, uh, you know, things that she say, but like the brother said, you know, there's a lot of black people, not just Raven Simone, black people, men and women, who don't identify with themselves. So it's like, you know, trying to argue with the fact that she's not black enough or she's, you know, like he said, let her be, you know what I'm saying? Let her go on her little rant and her rave or let her, you know what I'm saying, go pick, let her choose sides while you choose yours, you know, because right now we need to show in numbers that we are unified as a people. Mm-hmm. So in other words, we just going to go ahead and sacrifice Raven Simone. And there actually was a video that was sent out that actually suggested that. And I was like, 
So we just trading up people. Like we gave back uh what's his name? Um the the, the golf man, the uh the, the, the hurt. Tiger guy. Woods. We gave him we gave up Tiger Woods. We also gave up the guy who went to jail for murder. You know, we stood behind him, and when he got off, he still did not. Like, what's his name? O.J. Simpson. O.J. Simpson. That's what it is. I couldn't get it out. Like, there's some I feel, that I feel, I feel ride. I still ride with O.J. I don't let him dog O.J. Because, you know, they, you know with O.J., they always sell uh, Ron Goldman as this innocent white boy that was bringing back some glasses at 12 o'clock midnight. Well, I tell you this, waiters and buses at bars don't bring glasses to people's house. He was messing around with that woman in that man's house. You know what I mean? He put himself in a dangerous situation. They try and dog O.J. out. O.J. didn't do that. <laughs> you like, O.J., okay. 1019, are you there? Can you hear me? Yes, I'm here. How are y'all? Doing pretty good. How do you feel? Yeah. Hey, baby. Listen, we got D. Gray on the line tonight, and he is fitting it up with us with regard to this Raven Simone. And to me, I, you know, I, I don't know. Raven Simone was the little bitty girl on the Cosby show who has never, she is just a, a what I call a Michael Jackson. She has never lived a real child's life. She has always been in the limelight, and she has always had the opportunity just based on what her limited experience in history was because she rode off of the backs of people who celebrated a black family on television from the time she was five years old up until now. She's in her late 20s. Now she's saying that because a person's name is Watermelon Drea, now I don't like Watermelon Drea. I, I'm, I would name my child Watermelon Drea. And I will admit that I named my children particularly that if you looked on paper that you wouldn't know what this person looked like, but you would have to you would have to look at their resume for what's on there. And when you are an employer, when you have the potential to hire someone and you can say out your mouth that if I look at your resume and I don't like your name, that I'm not gonna give you the opportunity, do you think that's fair? Not at all. Not at all. My name is Shadell. And I know when they first see that name, first of all, they don't know how to pronounce it because it's spelled with a C. So I Mm -hmm. know that my resume probably has been swiped right over to the side sometimes because that's the first thing they saw. But once Mm -hmm. given the opportunity to go to an interview, I'm more qualified than anybody else they've already interviewed, and I'm the first person that they do callbacks for. I was very offended by the conversation Mm -hmm. that she had on The View the other day. And I've been arguing with people on Facebook. I've been trying to get my temperature together about this because unless you've been subjected to that, you don't know what that feels like. So I don't care that the girl's name is Watermelon Drill or whatever it is. She deserves to get the same opportunity as Christy or Shirley or whomever non-ethnic, non-creative name, as I would like to call them, um, is mm-hmm. they get so yeah um, that it bothers me that people are saying no. Well, she was just making a joke. That's not funny. Mm-hmm. D, what you got to say to that? Because listen, I'm just trying to get a job. I really just want you to hire me, D. I didn't name myself Watermelon Drea. My mama Peach Scotto and my daddy uh, Mel- Melon Nate decided to call me Watermelon Drea. 
but I'm I'm able to do the job that you have me with. Would you consider hiring me if I were qualified? Could you get over my name, or would you give me instructions to better apply because my name is like a fruit? I would I would more than likely hire you and then always tease you about your name. <laughs> because because the, <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can do the job. You know, but I would say it's a far cry. It's a far cry from Chanel to watermelon. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was the the name itself wasn't even real. It it was right, you know what right. I mean? The name itself the, the name itself wasn't even real. It wasn't it, this wasn't a situation where somebody actually applied for a job and was like, Hey, Raven discriminated to me because my name is what she considered to be a ghetto name. You know, I think it revolved from a bad joke. It revolved from a joke. The conversation itself, you know what I mean? It revolved from a joke. Well, what is not a joke is what we're going to talk about the rest of this conversation, quick commercial break, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about this justice or else because a lot of people, did, you know what, I'm, I'm really shocked and I'm kind of pissed because I just learned that BET didn't even cover this story. I mean, nope. it didn't cover this event. BET didn't beat the Black Entertainment Television, which is the only media mogul that we have in a national forum, did not right. cover the anniversary of the Million Man March. I was shocked at that, but be right back. You look bad, you feel bad, and your bedroom gymnastics just are plain done. You ain't on fleet. The best way to tap into your inner sexy is to find it with Nia Jackson. Yes, Nia is the owner and operator of PYC Studios. And let's, let's say you want to learn how to twerk. What about pole dancing? What about booty pop? What about just learning a sexy dance for his next birthday? Yes, she is here in Hoover. She will help you learn your pace carve out that tone sexy body that you have while all at the same time teaching you how to be a beast in the bedroom. Contact Nia at PYTstudios.com or call her at 205-444-0066. Tell her the Empress sent you. Listen, it's funny. That is one of the two commercials that I have for this year. All of my other commercials got locked off when Blog Talk locked me off for a little while for being inactive and, you know, booty pop and twerking and all of that. Guess, you know, guess that's not even ours anymore because they have more of those classes in middle class white America than they do in our own communities. Nia happens to be a sister who is self-made. She made the business herself. I ran that commercial because I support our people. And I think that is one of the things and one of the themes that Louis Farrakhan expressed in 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 essence for our call to justice. Now, Justice or Else was a sort of anniversary for the Million Man March. And shortly after the Million Man March, there had been an exposure of excessive injustices, particularly to the black and uh, uh, non-white communities. And it became almost a theme. Every month, I can remember, it's for me, it was inundating for me when uh, Trayvon Martin was killed. And ever since that point, and I know there were Trayvons before Trayvon, well before, it made me go back in history to where the first execution of a black child was a 13-year-old who was accused of murdering a white woman um, back in, I think it was 1937. He was uh, judged and deemed not fit to live within seven hours of this occurring and was, it was killed. 
he was hung. He was. This is what happened to this child, and I, I don't have the history of that. So I'm not saying that this is something brand new. Absolutely, this is not something brand new. But it brought about enough notice to all communities and even other countries that there was a call by the Nation of Islam's leader, Louis Farrakhan, to ask for help from ourselves. Now, he asked that on 1010 of this year that there be a gathering of 10,000 willing and able black men to change the justice and the the charge to our communities uh, with regard to the injustices in our brown and black communities. Now, I've watched very short part of an all-day event that occurred, of course, October the 10th, there in Washington, D.C., uh, several hundred of thousands of people showed. I don't think they even have an official number of how many were would have shown. But there wasn't even a lot of media coverage of this event, and I was very kind of disturbed with that. Now, what what in the world did you all gather from it? Now, Dee, I saw your video, and I was like, I can't wait to what he's gonna say. Tell us, tell the people who didn't see your video on Facebook. And if you don't see, if you haven't seen it, guys, you need to go on Facebook and you need to look at it because it's exactly what he had to say, whether you agree or not. How did you feel about the Justice or Else movement? Um, I thought Justice or Else was a beautiful gathering of Black people from all. Over, you know, and I really could appreciate it. It was something that I wanted to attend. Um, mm-hmm. As I made a point in the video, the or else portion, um, as I, as the march got closer, I felt like the or else was more of a selling point to the march more than an actual, um, just to put it out there, just to say threat or a willingness to mm-hmm. do something that is not with permission, you know, because black people in America, we will stand up and we'll march and we'll protest, but all these things, most of the things we do, aside from the few uprisings we've had, say, for instance, Watts, or, you know, when Martin Luther King got killed, or if you move forward to 92, the L.A. riots, the L.A. riots, we usually do things with permission, you know, and I think that it's important that, you know, we get together more often than 20 years ago, you know what I mean, but I believe that the or else part didn't deliver just what I think what a lot of brothers wanted to hear as far as um, unleashing us, you know, just to be honest with you, it's a lot of brothers who are fed up with a lot of things, but let me say something that's real important. I watched the march, I watched the speech twice, and I also, the first video I made, I made it about 10 minutes after I watched the march, okay, and then I watched it, I watched his speech again, and, you know, my mind changed a lot because I was on fire and expecting a fight. And I'm not going to lie, I was expecting a fight on the degree to where if they would have did something to them brothers in D.C., I had people picked out that I was going to target and go ahead and go at them. Because if they're coming at us, then we're going at them. I'm not sitting on the right. sideline completely. Sorry I didn't make it to D.C., but I'm going to make something crack from where I'm sitting. So I think a lot of brothers really wanted basically that permission to where it's like, hey, when we come in contact with white people who are not playing it fair, that we can go there, but I had to slow down my thinking and say, what happened to this sister in Georgia who made a Facebook video saying a few things, mm-hmm. and she's sitting in jail right now. So he's right. in no position to go on TV and tell us, go out here and do this and do that. And I appreciate the strategy he put in place when it came to acquiring land and how many cows it would take to provide milk and how many beans and how many, you know what I mean, how much land it would take to acquire wheat to 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 get bread for all our people 
for free, how he wanted the engineers to get together so that we could separate because that's the true, true, true solution between white people and black people is not to try to love each other, is not to try to pray for one another, is not to try to understand each other. We need to separate us from them because this is not our home and it's not theirs either. But I would like the opportunity to either leave or to establish our own land and do for self. And you all leave us alone. That's what I would really like. Right before he spoke, um, there was a Native American leader of that community who had obviously spoken. I could not find it separated from having to watch the entire uh, DVR that I had. He he is he was a represent, representative of the the Indian, and I hope that it's not offense, offensive to say Native American community. And he ex- exactly spoke that this land was taken from them, and that provisions were in place for his community, and he could not see if it would be done on that scale for just his community. He absolutely was like dumbfounded why it would not be uh, done for the African American black melanated community. They they were absolutely given land. They were absolutely separated and apart, and and deemed to have their own law and government for self. And he 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 himself couldn't even say it. Farrakhan actually said that if things don't change in the black community participating in this anniversary of 20 years would be just pure vanity. He spoke particularly to black men to start with, to start with which was like I don't, you know, people people who know me and who who are on the show a lot think that I'm a man basher and I'm not. I am so pro African American black leadership but when they when the when the job has to get done and there's no one to step up to it, it still has to get done, and that's where this gross overgrowth of mouthy, aggressive, uh, headstrong black women come from. It's not on purpose, but it's designed that way when black men are not in place. Did you did you hear the part that he had to say about speaking uh, against women, against domestic violence and abortion, and how men played? Uh, me and being uh, absent from that played into that. Do you remember that part? Yeah. Yes. And um, I, I actually um, really thought hard and deep about the part where he said that women aren't to be played with, you know, and mm-hmm. when he, before he touched on women aren't to be played with, he went into the mm-hmm. teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And a lot of people ridiculed the Honorable Elijah Muhammad for having more than one wife. He didn't have a wife and girlfriend. He had several wives, and all of his children are accomplished children. They are all educated children. They are all children that are doing well. So compare that to a man who has seven children and seven baby mamas opposed to seven wives. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad is living proof that that's that's an ideology that can work for some people. You know what I mean? But in America, that's illegal. These are the customs of people who are from Africa. You know what I mean? It's not just about Islam. It's Africans that had more than one wife. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of things that go on in our communities that are so criminalized in America. You know what I mean? That is made illegal and it's made to keep our families separate. You know, they are just you know, they say, oh, he has seven wives. Well, he has he has you know accomplished children. He has children that are doing well and who are successful. So the fact that he has seven women means nothing. But if you're playing with women and not making these women be accountable for you and you be accountable for them. 
then you have the the condition that we're in today because people are playing with each other. Mm-hmm. I, I I did. I heard that too, and it took me like by surprise that he even said it in the way that he did. I think that maybe we are. Uh, sort of kind of in a perverted way trying to replicate our African nature by men taking on so many women. But the truth is, is if you're not able to provide for them, because there's a difference between just taking on these women uh, as your uh, wife and not, I ain't saying going to the courthouse, I ain't saying trying to go over that part. I'm saying when you have taken full responsibility to anything that is produced from this woman with yourself, taking care of that, like, he spoke about that, and I think that is one of the major things. There are going to be 60,000 black men by the end of this month straight from federal prison released back into our communities. That's a, that's a drop in the bucket. But that's going to happen, and these men are going to have to have support by black women. Like Raven Simone is not going to be in this number of women that we're expecting to step up and to support our black men. What did what did you think about the the um the way that he supported um religion because one of the things that that stuck out in your video and I didn't disagree. I didn't disagree with you at all because I feel that there's a pulse in our community period that's right at the point about to go off. You know what I'm saying? Like I feel like there are some people who don't are not as verbal and there are some people who are expressly verbal and some people who are actually going to be actionary. Like they don't do some stuff. Like I could have yeah. I was so glad that there was nothing that happened in Washington because I don't know if I would have survived if any black man, woman or child lost their life on that event. They put Farrakhan behind uh, bulletproof glass because the same types of threats that have always happened, this is the same type of atmosphere and environment that Malcolm X um, and also, um, um, uh, I can't even think, I'm looking at him, Um, Martin Luther King, were in this type of coming to people and coming together before they were assassinated. Do you think there's um, going to have to be, because I think at some point violence is is a necessity, like you can talk all you want to. I kind of got the feel that you felt like there may be a necessity for an aggressive move, that taking back that you were speaking of. Is there anything that we can really do that's going to um, happen, or do you think it's already happening we just don't know it? I think it happens around us every day. It's just about each individual taking a stand for themselves. You know, I couldn't envision you know, uh, 10,000 brothers getting together with guns. I mean, they will come and kill us, you know, and I think that's why Farrakhan doesn't, that's why Farrakhan doesn't call for that. I mean, this is America. If they can go across the water and kill, then they definitely can kill on their own land. But I think it's up to a man, you know, to where you're dealing with someone, like I said, who has ill intent, who has proven themselves to be a devil, then you deal with him as such and you don't hold nothing back and you don't fear prison. You know what I mean? In the call of that. I don't care if he's a police officer or a judge, you know, or a social worker who's separating your family. When somebody crosses that line, I'm just really tired of letting laws stop us from doing what needs to be done because most of the time the law wasn't designed for us. When you look at yourself in the mirror as a black person, understand that the Constitution wasn't written for you. None of these laws are designed to benefit you. Most of them are designed to hurt you even when you go into the family court. You know what I mean? It's like most of it is designed to hurt you. They don't care if it hurts the woman or the man. Somebody's going to come up on the short end of the stick. 
You know what I mean? So I think that the separation, once again, is the most important thing, and to understand that America doesn't have any goodwill for black people. And we have to come up with something unplanned, you know, unplanned to cause a disturbance. And not, we don't have to burn it down, not yet, you know what I mean? But in a situation where you have to understand that we have come to take your attention, if the Million Man March would have started on Saturday and if we still could keep a million brothers and sisters in D.C. come Tuesday night so that they have to put it on CNN because D.C. can't move, the airport can't move, the White House can't move because these niggas won't leave. You understand? Mm -hmm. To make a true stand to say, we're not going to do this with your permission. We're about causing the civil disturbance that's going to really disturb you. And that's our last last chance at being peaceful with you to where you either will send us somewhere or you can divide a part of this country and give it to us. I'm to the point where I take South Dakota, North Dakota, Nebraska, and Montana. You know, just stay off our land and leave us alone and let us build for ourselves. You know, because violence is definitely imminent. It's just about an individual committing that act of violence when he's violated. We have a caller that wants to add a point, uh, 7896. Are you there? Yeah, I'm, I'm here. Uh Hold on one second. All right, check this out. I always make this point, and I spread it along blackplanet.com every, every chance I get. Remember Black Wall Street. It's not like we haven't done it before. Like we haven't showed the world over and over again that we could come together as a community and flourish. It's not like we haven't done it. And the whole point about justice or else, you know, what do they understand besides violence? They, just, they understand numbers and dollars. You take their dollars away, you take their power away. When they, okay. when they come to guns, by the time they come to guns, we are already ready. Look at how long, like the brother was saying, how many cows it takes to, to feed your family, to provide milk for your family and provide milk for the land and, and, and our nourishment and everything. The Nation of Islam has been preaching that since day one. It's not mm-hmm. some new news. This is not new news to us. This is just something that is being reiterated and telling the American government that black people are tired of getting second fiddle, of trying to play the race card or whatnot. We don't have to play the race card if you just give us what's rightfully ours. Once upon a time when we were slaves, you know what I'm saying, they called themselves giving us our land back for the Your phone is breaking up a little bit, and I I, I thought about um, Black Wall Street when I heard him speaking on those things, and you brought up a couple of other topics that I wanted to talk with you, Uh, and actually both of my callers just dropped, and I don't know what happened. Let me see if I can get them back on the phone. Let's play a short little song, and I don't even know what it's going to be. Looks like, well, he's, he's back. Great. I'm not sure what just happened, um, um, but my caller dropped, and he's back. Great, I'm, I'm so glad yeah. you called. Right. Great, great. I'm glad you're back. I didn't. Know, I don't know what happened. It looks like it dropped, but then it came right back. And we were talking about the similarities between Black Wall Street and the capabilities that we have right now. Now we know they bombed and killed. Uh, I think it was 60 square blocks of people, businesses, and everything because it was fully functioning in the most rich area of the of what was then the beginnings of the United States. Um, what's to keep them from doing that again? If we get our own place, 
uh, and separation from them is totally necessary. How are we going to defend against that same devil, uh, D? Because you don't leave empty-handed. Like one of the brothers said, in the Nation of Islam, if you want to, you know, it's people who either want a piece of land or it's people who want to leave and they expect to have a good send-off. So I'm one of the ones who's very up for just leaving, vacating the premises completely. I think black people are so beautiful that we can go somewhere and we can connect with certain people. Not all people in Africa are going to be accepting of us, but if we can find people that we can help and share our technology with and share what we know with over 50 years, I mean, by the time I'm dead and getting ready to die, we would have them flourishing because we could bring everything that we know there on our own land far away from those people. But if we had to be here, we don't leave empty-handed. Like, I was thinking so deep as far as, like, if a brother like Colin Powell would say, you know what, I'm going on the, on these four states with my people, right. and I'm going to be the general of that land. And all, and all of the military presence that is already in those states, of Nebraska, Montana, South Dakota, North Dakota, that belongs to us mm-hmm. because we want to occupy the land. So we don't just leave just with our, you know, as a, as a man would say, with your balls in your hand. We're going to leave with more than that, or we might as well stay and fight it out with you. Yeah, I was interested, and in, I was actually, that's what I was expecting. When when I was listening for the RLs, I was actually listening for a plan of action. I did hear the call to women. I want to participate in that, and I plan that if they set a date for that event, that I'll be there. But I also heard um, one suggestion. It really wasn't even, let's definitely do this. This was like a suggestion. Let's boycott Christmas. Uh, his actual words were, let's damn the white-haired Santa Claus guy and go back to Christ, give Christmas back to Christ. Now, I know that has some religious undertones for people who don't believe in Jesus or the Christ, but the idea he even broke down from Christianity and said that we have, as Christians, gotten Jesus mixed up. Like, y'all is fooled by what y'all think. He even went back <laughs> all the way to uh, He, I was shocked. He went all the way back to South Carolina, and he damned those people who were, who were forgiving Dylan Roof for mowing down nine African Americans in the church. He said that was foolishness. He said that made no sense at all, and that is not even Absolutely. a call to Christianity. So he he actually did some very good, uh, I wouldn't say damage control. He should have opened the eyes to a lot of people who have been hollering this forgive and just act like this don't happen, act like we're not burying our children. Like I, I, I couldn't believe he was saying it, and that at least, should have been aired, but you didn't hear. What do you think about the Christmas boycott? Do you think that that's big enough? Because he said we spent some like $52 billion just during that time. Well, I have been um, buying Final Call newspapers since I was about 14 years old. I'm 36 years old. So like the brother said before me that, that was on, a lot of this information is not new to a lot of people who pay attention to the Nation of Islam. A lot of this information is not new. So it's new to people who are new to it. It's good for the young generation to hear it. But the one thing that I will always say is that a boycott does nothing about Tamir Rice. Not buying Christmas presents doesn't make a police officer second-guess a situation like Tamir Rice. It doesn't make him second-guess Mike Brown. It doesn't make him second-guess, you know what I mean, any of the brothers that they have done wrong for no reason because they have no fear of repercussion. And until you have an atmosphere, and it's unfortunate, but I look at the people who are overseas, they create an atmosphere 
to where it's like, do you know we are willing to hurt you? And if people know you're willing to hurt them, hurt you, yeah, I mean, I mean, of course, you can wind up locked up or you can dead. You wind up dead speaking this kind of language. But whenever you're dealing with a bully, if he knows for sure you're not going to hit him back in his mouth, he's bound to hit you every day and to the point where he kills you. There has to come a point where you do something. So boycotting Christmas, that's wonderful, but I say this, and I hope this get out to a lot of people. Let's pick a day where we boycott a bank, where everybody who, who, who black, who bank at Wells Fargo, we all pull our money out on the same day. And then we represent right. ourselves and we go, and we go, and we yeah. go to people and we let them know the next bank that'll take us on, we'll put our money in your bank if you're willing to approve 70% of these business loans that we want. If you're willing to approve 70% of these home loans that we want and these college loans that we want. You know what I mean? We go to a bank with our money and say the only way we're going to put it in your bank is if you're going to have our best interest in mind. And I think that'll do more than boycotting Christmas. Let me tell you something. That's exactly what the Indian population does when they get here. They come here with monies in hand and say, you're going to either give me this or I'm not going to do it. And they said it long enough to what did they do? They went and opened up their own damn bank. Like, what, what do you think? Why do you think that Wells Fargo is now Wells Fargo when it used to be, I forgot the name of it, it was another bank that was bought out by a whole culture of people, like a little family of people who control the money. The money is uh-huh. always where it goes. But he also talked about that 10%, which was, oh, my God, like I wanted to fall out. I'm in Walmart just screaming. Everybody looking at me, I have my headphones on, and he was saying there's a 10% in every culture that has the potential to change the culture of that culture, really. He didn't say it in those exact words, but he said in the black community. And and he said this right in front of uh, several multimillionaires sitting right center stage to his speech. Uh, One of Mm -hmm. the, um, I can't even. Well, I forgot what his name is. He was Kamira Moore, uh, the the Asian female who was married to him. He was right on the front seat, and he was listening to him say that you multi-million dollar moguls who refuse to at least give back to the communities you came from, and instead you pimp out the very poor people that actually represent you and put you in the places that you are. What, what did you have? To, what, what did you think about that? Like, because to me, some people who make it, and I'm not talking about not even making it big time, they don't feel an obligation to anybody but themselves. That's one of the problems with our community. Once they get comfortable, once they get okay, they don't give two for nobody behind them, not even somebody that's related to them. They get theirs and they run. What can we do about that? Or do you feel the obligation to give back? I really wish a lot of people would get on the same page when it comes to bankrupting certain black people who have gotten in a high position because of us. Now, I can't be mad at, say, for instance, the Tiger Woods, because there ain't a whole lot of brothers out at the golf course. We have brothers that play golf, you know what I mean? But a lot of us aren't buying the Tiger Woods golf hat. We're not buying the – you know, we're not who got Tiger where he is. But now – Look at a situation where you have Michael Jordan. It's a shame that black people won't stop buying Michael Jordan shoes for one year to force him to lower the price. Because no matter what business you're in, if nobody buys your product for one year, and it's enough black people that wear them damn shoes, if we were to stop wearing, I've never bought a pair in my life. I come from Chicago. We had a 
say no to Nike campaign back in '87 when I was about eight years old, and I've been on I've been on it ever since. I'm not buying no Nikes. I'm not buying no Jordans. You know, for for almost over 30 years, I've never owned a pair. You know what I mean? Because I don't I don't dig how the brother get down. So I think that if we could just get on a simple same page such as that. See, we can't talk about going to war with no white people if we can't even stop buying one brother's shoes because he don't care about us. Right. You know what I mean? If, we can, if you can get a million people to say, we're not buying them damn shoes, if you can get all black people on the same page for one subject or topic, we can change the world. If we can just all get on the same page about one thing, whether it be religion, whether it be not buying a certain brand of TV, every brother got a flat screen. You know what I mean? But if we can all get on the same page about one thing and say we're not going to associate ourselves with you based on the fact that we are black, then we can make the whole world recognize our buying power and our spending power because like a lot of people are saying, violence is not the answer. So we have to come together financially. Pick one bank to bankrupt. Pick Walmart or Kmart. But tell them whether you be Walmart or Kmart, black people are not stopping with you for 365 days. And we're going to see how many people we can bankrupt and get on our side. You know what I mean? And Michael Jordan needs to be one of the first ones. Every black person just don't buy a pair for one year. And I bet you them $180 shoes come down to $49.99. He won't have a choice. But until we're willing to put him in that situation, he's going he to keep on breaking. It's just pimping. You know what I mean? As long as, he allow, as, long as you allow yourself to be pimped, you're going to get pimped. Until you change your mind and say, look, I'm not hoeing no more. You know what I mean? So it's as simple as that. You have to make up your mind what you're going to do. Is you going to keep giving them your money, or is we going to come together collectively? Because if we're not going to come together collectively, then we all might as well just go our separate ways and do our own thing because we can't win. I do understand that a lot of people just don't know. I think they are they just they just don't know. I had my son, and I had that kumbaya about them damn Jordans not a month or two ago because I just did. I just I don't care after I did a little bit of my own understanding of who Michael Jordan was. See, I ain't liked him since his daddy died. I, I ain't liked him since then, way back then, before any of this other stuff. I, he's just been a different type of attitude and a different, I mean, he's just removed. He, I don't think he even identifies anymore, and it may be something that ain't got nothing to do with him being black. It may be something that I just don't want to do it, but my son was adamant about having a shoe, and he got the shoe, and now the shoe just sits here, and it just burns my butt because I didn't want this shoe. You know, but he wanted the shoe, and I didn't. I wanted him to feel comfortable about having something that had value to him, but I want him to value more than just the shoe, and I remind him of that yeah. shoe all the time. Do you think that it has to be money? Because I, I'm going to tell you one of the, the other things that was the most eye-opening to me was the history lesson on Lincoln. Like, a lot of people wanted to get upset about what he had to say about Lincoln, the FBI, and some other some other institutions, which is just the truth. Like, they, they, don't, they don't know, so they can't... Um, they can't really argue when it's in black and white. A lot of people didn't know that it wasn't like, oh, Lincoln was really, really for us. He was choosing the lesser of two evils, and that's just evident. Right. And it's never, it's never been any different than that. Like, do you think just exposing some of those types of truths will move people more so than with, say, asking them not to spend money? I think that a lot of it is awakening to a new generation. 
on a broad spectrum. And I think, you know, things like social media has given, um, it's a new media. You know, one thing I noticed was some things I see on the news, I seen them on social media four days ago. A lot of things are getting out on social media before they actually hit, you know what I mean, the morning news, you know. So I'm glad that, you know, he had a form to where it gets recorded, where it gets played over and over. That's the beautiful thing about social media. It eventually will get to everybody. It don't need to be on CNN. You know what I mean? CNN, BET, which is owned by white people. You know, we don't need them to air it because we're going to share it amongst ourselves until they finally shut Facebook down once they see how well we communicate amongst one another. You know, so right. I, I really think that, you know, trying to break people financially is gainful. And I just think that until we, like I said before, until we come together and understand that, you know, the solidarity with our funds is really the only true threat because violence isn't going to work. That's the best road for us to stay on. Well, I it looks like I got a, a, the caller who was interrupted earlier. We'll let him speak right quick, and then we're going to let you follow at the end of the show. 7896, are you there? Did you have something else to add? I just wanted to, I just wanted to say, you know, Black Wall Street, you know what I'm saying, is an example of what is the outcome, how their outrage is, because they don't have any control themselves. So fear is how they control so when I look at how black people turn away when another black person or a person of influential uh, advantage say um, we need to separate or we need to do this to make a change or to show them that we have a say in all this. It's like your dollar is a vote, you know, and, you know, fear holds us back from acting on what we know is right. See, if I knew a black business that was like Walmart, for sure I would support mm-hmm. that black business. Yeah. Now, don't get it twisted with just because it's black, I'm going to support it. Because I'm going to have to do my fact chasing and say, hey, um, black man, what are you doing for the black community? Just like I said to one of my compadres who is into music big, I said, there's a lot of industry individuals who we support their albums day in, day out all the time, and what are they doing for the community? The black community specifically. We got all these people, black people, men and women, who have all this money. Why haven't we started our own bank? You know, It's one of those things that you have to ask yourself. Are we too afraid as a people to stand up for ourselves? Are we so used to being uh, shackled and chained, even years removed from it, you know, we're so used to it to where if we don't go along with the flow, we don't do what the government expects of us, then. So what do you have to say to that, D? Do you think it's fear? Do you think that it's fear that is our biggest holdback? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the fear of jail. It's the fear of death. It's the fear of discomfort. It's something I was talking about with my girl the other day. I said, you know what? I said, the reason we can't be warriors is because we drink cold water. And cold water represents comfort, you know, because if you think about it for years until the refrigerator was invented, then nobody had no cold water. And those men back then were men, you know what I mean? They kill you if you cost them. But now we're very, very comfortable. We want our house. We want our flat screen TV. We want our Mercedes Benz or whatever we drive. We want our women. We want to do everything but fight. You know what I mean? So I think that, and I, I, I saw this in a movie called Gladiator. I say, you know, it said that um, people have to recognize when they've been conquered. 
And one of my biggest fears is that maybe black people have been conquered. And I'm one of the people who refuse to give up. I can't, I don't realize that I've been conquered. I'm, I refuse to admit that I've been conquered, even though I'm on this foreign land. And I know that there's, there's a lot of entities against me. I feel like it's enough brothers out here and sisters out here to where if we pull together, you know what I mean, we won't be conquered. You know, so I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to simulate like, like a lot of these black people do who just want to get along or who's scared to tell white people like it is. I don't care if I'm at work. I don't care if I'm in the grocery store. If you ask me a question, I'm going to tell you from a black man's perspective, you know. And uh, like I said, let us go or give us a prayer. Or give us what our people have earned, you know. Give us what our people worked for. No different than the Native Americans. Just give us what we earned. We don't need nothing else after you give us what we've earned. Right. Tell us, tell the audience how they can get on, uh, get you on social media or any of the other feeds that you might be on. Um, you can just look for me on Facebook, D-E-E-G-R-E-Y-D-Gray. Um, I accept people every now and then because some people you accept them thinking they're going to talk about uh, black righteousness and they post in pictures of titties and ass, and I don't want to see that. <laughs> You know, my son is on my page. It'd be different if I was 26. I'm 36. My son is on my page. I don't like adding everybody because some people post some crazy stuff. I mean, I don't get mad if you post a fight video here and there, you know, because sometimes it's funny to see how people uh, can't fight, you know, but I don't want to see the nudity. I don't want to see the coonery or the buffoonery. But, you know, if you're down and you're cool and you're just a hardworking person you're trying to do better, I ain't nobody special. Go ahead and hit me up. Thank you so much for coming on to the show, Mr. D. Gray. Quick commercial spot, and we're going to shut it down. Cause I think Everything gonna... begins with an honest, open conversation. The Empire is exactly that place, and you can just weigh in, listen, or debate with others about topics ranging from child care, sex, religion, and politics. We talk about the things that matter, the things we experience, and we make plans for how we can better live with change. Real talk, real people, real issues with real solutions. Call 646-478-5625 every Sunday and Wednesday at 8 Central on Blog Talk Radio to get Empire with the Empress. Or you can log on to www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the Empire, where the Empress speaks and the Empire listens. We started off the show talking about names, like not calling somebody out of their name, calling somebody Watermelon Andrea. And that's not even a real name. That's a made-up personality. And I think that's the, that, that sort of theme has been the theme of the culture of African-American melanated black people in this particular country. We have been named. We have been told who we are and what we are and what we should have. And I think it's just gotten to a point where it's just not acceptable anymore, and now we're at a call of what we're going to do. I think those are absolutely great suggestions that my my guy, D. Gray, was like, baby, if we shut down just Wells Fargo, if, if, if we just didn't make deposits on payday just for one pay week, it would devastate that industry. If we pulled all of our monies out and Instead of it going into a bank to sit so that they can trade around with it, that you just give me my money and I take it to the house and I go to the Winn-Dixie instead of the damn Walmart because we chose that to boycott. The power of, of money is huge, and I think that I expected at least an articulation of that type of plan from 
uh, the justice or else. Now, I wasn't disappointed. I think D said, too, he wasn't disappointed. He was impulsive just like I was when I first heard it. I was like, well, when are we going to fight? Like, when, 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 where are we supposed to go to to do something? It's like I moved to do something now because at a certain point, I'm not going to wait for the Trayvon Martin to become the Xavier Davidson in my life. I don't, I don't, I, at, at some point, I'm going to have to leave my children in this environment, or I want an environment created where I can know that they are saved by a community of people that are like them, that understand them, that understand what it means to be like them in this world, and be surrounded by people who at least share in that. Like, we don't even identify with each other enough to uh, get on the same page. Like, Raven Simone is just gone. Like, I'm, I, I, you know, I'm not trying to sell her ticket because she. I don't think she ever had one. I think she has enough of uh, external expectation to be African American or Black that she can refute whatever she wants to because she's worth almost a billion dollars. You know, she's worth so much money that it doesn't hurt her. But if everybody who was sickened by what she had to say stop watching the damn view, they would shut that shit down and ABC would have to do something else. I mean, it happens in other realms. Even Empire, which I do not watch, dropped almost 20% on the second the second showing of this second season where they were the number one show in the universe last year. I was sick to death seeing all of this, and I knew it wasn't going to be a bunch of the same old stuff with this much, much more grandiosity with regard to homosexuality that no other network would have let happen. You was not going to see Laura Ingalls or anybody else in the public eye. You was not going to see Lady Gaga and them. No matter what they do in their real life, you are not going to see that on ABC. You're not going to see that on NBC. And what did we do? We gave the one station that hates us the most, the most views and the most money and the most commercialized uh, advertisement for us being gay in jail, trying to kill each other and cussing and acting a donkey. Like, I just don't see how people don't see that. We've got to mobilize ourselves in a way that we can change. And it cannot happen on a mass scale without individual responsibility. Like, there's some things that we can do in our own communities and in ourselves. Like, I may not be able to change New York City, but the small community where I live here in Birmingham, Alabama, absolutely I can. Like, it's just that easy, and it can spread if you get people on the same page of understanding that we're in this boat together. But when people separate themselves, they think they they got a little bit, they drive a little better, they got a little more cash in the Wells Fargo account, so they they seem removed. When you understand what the actual attitude and expectation of you uh, is, from this other group of people, and I'm not saying you have to hate anybody. I'm not saying you got to go against anybody, but I'm saying you fooling yourself if you think that the world thinks that everybody's going to really be equal. You're you're fooling yourself if you think the hashtag All Lives Matter meant anything other than your life ain't no better than mine. That's what that meant. And, like, when people understand the gravity of that, all I'm saying is love yourself more than anything else. 
That's all I'm saying. If I, if you love yourself and your culture and your people and you have an understanding of what that is, you can't help but love it. What's wrong with cultivating that, preserving that, making sure that that doesn't go anywhere? I think we're on a good start. I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens when they have a call to women because he's already said it's happening. And I'm not saying that the men ain't moving fast enough. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying for a very long time, these little aggressive breast ladies been doing some stuff in the community, been moving and pushing, and Lord have mercy if something gets called for women to, to do. I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to be right there. I'm going to be so ready. And I'm, I'm thinking one person is all it's going to take to influence the masses. There has there used to be this overrun of, you know, thought that, you know, they just so young, they ain't getting it. This younger community just ain't tolerant, and that's not a bad thing. If you can change their minds for the purpose of growth, because they're willing to die over some crazy stuff, they'll die over some tennis shoes. And I'm not saying let's kill them off. I'm just saying if you use that same determination in a creative way for change that's productive for the community at large, it'll almost be unstoppable. We, We have the influence in every arena. We are the best artists. We are the best musicians. We are the best writers. We are the best actors and actors. Whatever, if you can put any tag to it, because we have had to learn creatively how to do what you're not going to even help us do the right way, we do it well. We do it even over and beyond. That's just how we're made. We're made like that. And I'm not trying to make anybody feel superior to me. I'm just saying I think that we're a culture of people who are just innovators. Like we've had to be. We had no other choice. If we was going to eat, we had to figure out how to make that shit good. Because like, they weren't going to give us nothing. They weren't going to give us how uh, we would be able to protect ourselves from the environment. So we had to learn how to use the environment for ourselves. And now we got so lazy and so comfortable, just like they said, we got so comfortable that we just expect that we're going to be able to walk up to your enemy and say, I need you don't have to get this to me. Some of it is going to be asked for by request. Other parts of it I think is going to be by force, and I just pray that there's no massive bloodshed that it comes to, but, you know, my grandmama always said anything worth having, you're going to have to have a little blood behind it. In birth, there's blood, and in death, there's blood. There's a passage of blood in, in all things, but I, we've shed enough. I I, I don't, I don't want to open up the, the newspaper, and I don't want to look on my phone and see another scroll of another dead anybody in the name of this craziness. But if you look at what the trend is, it is more often. It used to be every other month. Then it became every month. Now it's every other week. We couldn't even get out of our September fast enough before there were was another slaughter. So things will change once we get tired of, of it uh, changing without our help. We'll actually have to do something. What that something is can come in many different forms. I think we had some good examples of what that would be. Revenue is, is, is huge. If you hit anybody's pocket, they'll say something. If you if you threaten to take away their money, you have a powerful uh, threat. Until next time, this is the Empress signing off.
I hope you learn to make it on your own And if you let yourself just know you'll never be alone I hope that you get everything you want and that you chose I hope that it's the realest thing that you ever know Hope you get the pretty girls that's pretty at everything Million dollar cribs having million dollar dreams And when you get it all just remember one thing Remember one thing That one man could change the world could change the world All I, all I wanted was a $100 million dollars and a bad chick Imagine this a Muslim nights it felt like that I had it Back on the mattress, staring at the ceiling, try connecting dots But it's I'm making those attachments I'm talking dreaming so hard, some nights it felt like draft day You know, my... My stepbrother used to flip them bags outside the crib like it was trash day. No Kim K, buddy, bag day. But when you get it fast, money slow down, don't crash. With all the drive in the world, where you still need gas. Look, think about it. Close your eyes, dream about it. Tell your team about it. Go make million dollar schemes about it. Success is on the way, I feel it in the distance. Used to look up at the stars and be like, ain't too much that's different. I be shining, they be shining. Get you one shot, don't you miss it. What you know about waking up every day like you on a mission and I hope you learn to make it on your own and if you love yourself just know you'll never be alone I hope that you get everything you want and that's what you're hoping that's the really thing that you ever know hope you get the pretty girls as pretty as everything million dollar Chris have a million dollar dreams and when you get it all just remember one thing remember one thing one man could change the world one man my grandma told me if you write your name in stone, you'll never get the white out. I grinded out that black hole and performed up at the White House, standing next to Jim Carrey. We traded stories and laughed. I said, You're not the only one I know got rich wearing masks. Where I'm from, I swear they broke. They need way more than the cash. We need more than what you have, and then we need more than that. But how am I supposed to say I'm tired? If that girl from West Virginia came up in conditions that I could survive. Went to war, came back alive. On top of that, became a female black captain. When being black, you had the extra, extra try. Way before James Brown made us proud. She bought a crib on the same street as Marvin Gaye right there on Outer Drive. And she taught me how to drive. And she raised the kids, then the kids' kids. And she did it right. Taught me how to love. Taught me not to cry When I die, I hope you teach me how to fly All my life you've been that angel in disguise And I hope you learn to make it on your own If you love yourself, just know you'll never be alone I hope that you get everything you want and that you chose I hope that it's the realest thing that you ever know Hope you get the pretty girls as pretty as everything Million dollar cribs, every million dollar dream When you get it all, just remember one thing Remember one thing That one man can change the world